0: For more information about Christian Assembly, follow us on social media or visit our website at cafamily.net. How many of you want to see the hand of God move in a powerful way? In your life individually and also collectively as a church body. Well, there's some insights that will help us achieve that goal. And I've been wanting to share these. And we're going to get to it maybe briefly this evening and we'll see as it continues. But let's pray first. Father, we thank you for the privilege of looking into your word to find the deep, rich treasures that you provided for us to live by. Give us ears to hear it, hearts to receive it, minds that are open to it, But more than anything change us by it from glory to glory, that we might conform to the very image of Jesus and become that for which he shed his precious blood. Give you all the praise for it in Jesus' name. Amen. Amen. Positional and practical sanctification is what I believe is necessary for us to go to higher heights and deeper depths in God. I just kind of figured out somewhere along the line that God doesn't have to change. And if we're not experiencing what we want to experience, there's only one way to look at it. And what is that? Not a trick question. We have to change, right? We have to change. And whatever that means, if we've got to humble ourselves before the throne of God, just present ourselves to him for change. Well, he's revealed himself to us in his covenant names, such as Jehovah Sidkenu, our righteousness, Jehovah Shalom, the Lord our peace, Jehovah Shama, the Lord is here, Jehovah Nissi, his banner over us is love, uh, Jehovah Jirah our provider, Jehovah Rapha, our healer, but then also there's this other name, Jehovah M. Kadesh, and Jehovah M. Kadesh is the Lord, our sanctifier. You see this in Leviticus chapter 20 and verses 7 and 8. If we can pull those up. Notice, sanctify yourselves, therefore, and be ye holy, for I am the Lord your God. And ye shall keep my statutes and do them. I am the Lord which sanctify you. And that is Jehovah and Kadesh. He's the Lord who sets us apart and sanctifies us. In the book of Leviticus, we have five main themes. And number one is seen right here. It's called holiness. That we serve a holy God. And as a holy God, he expects us to worship him and serve him, knowing that he's holy and he's righteous, and that uh, he sanctifies or sets apart people unto himself so that they can be holy and be in his presence. The second theme is the theme called worship. And worship teaches us that approaching God is a serious matter, and we have to approach him the way he wants us to approach him. Remember, when we think of worship, we're not just thinking singing of songs. Worship back then wasn't singing songs. Worship was offering sacrifices, and sacrifices meant death. That's important for us to know. You couldn't approach him without someone sacrificing, dying, and then we could have an audience with him or we can have access to worship him. Uh, also, the sacrificial system teaches us the importance and the cost of maintaining a right, our fellowship with God. See, back then, though, worship meant sacrifice. Sacrifice meant death. Well, thank God, Jesus was sacrificed. And we could offer our sacrifice of praise to him. That's what worship is all about. The third theme is the law. The law was given so that we can understand there's no possible way that we can perfect ourselves. We can't do that. It took God to be able to send Jesus to fulfill the law for us the law would set the stage for the heart of man to be changed in such a way so that he can write his laws on the table of your heart, not on stone. And then also we understand that he wanted to replace what we would call external observing of laws and place within us the internal motivation to want to serve him and to keep his laws and statutes and commandments. See, when we got saved, something happened on the inside. The law was something on the outside that would command external obedience. But when he came in, he changed us from the inside out. And now we have a longing desire to do so, to serve him, to worship him. And then also the presence of God is revealed in the book of Leviticus, which would be number four, the fourth theme. And that is... Everywhere they went, they experienced the presence of God. When they came out of Egypt, the cloud by day, the fire by night, in the temple, the tabernacle, and the Ark of the Covenant, there was the presence of God. So, what was he trying to say? He set up the Levitical priesthood so that he could forgive our sins and also enable, us, him, enable him to dwell among us, which is what he longed for. Do we want him to dwell among us? Well, he did in the person of of our Lord Jesus. That's number one, how he dwelt among us. The word was made flesh. That's what this season is all about. And he dwelt among us. But then secondly, within our hearts. After the resurrection, he raised us up together with him. And because we've accepted him, he dwells where? In our hearts. First of all, he was dwelling with us in flesh. Now he's in our hearts. And then we're longing for the day when he tabernacles with man on this earth, in the new heavens and in the new earth, and he's going to be here. So it taught these themes: his presence. And finally, the atonement was also taught that man needed to have an atonement for sin. Animal sacrifices could never atone for man's sin. That's impossible. The blood of bulls and goats could never do that. But thank God for the precious blood of Jesus, the final great sacrifice that was offered up for us. He made an atonement for us. And so now we are cleansed from sin, not just covered. Aren't you glad your sins are cleansed, not just covered? And we have no sin to deal with because he dealt with it for us. But to sanctify means to set apart. And it means to set apart from evil, to cleanse. So sanctification is a twofold work of Jesus in the life of a believer. Number one, thank God that he is our Mkadesh, our sanctifier. It's positional. I'll tell you what, you get a shout in you when you realize he is your sanctification. He's on the inside of you and he makes you holy. Your holiness is found in him. That's positional sanctification. And then there's not just positional, but practical. Practical sanctification means what's on the inside comes to the outside. And that's what's required on our part. There's something that he does that we can't do, and then there's something that we do that he won't do unless we give him the opportunity to do so in our lives. So that's number one, positional sanctification, and number two, practical sanctification. In other words, carrying it out. Now, look in your Bible in 2 Corinthians 5, verse 21, from two different translations, the King James and also the Living Bible, for he hath made him to be sin for us who knew no sin, that we might be made the righteousness of God in him. But look at the uh, Living Bible translation of that same verse. For God took the sinless Christ and poured into him our sins. Then in exchange, he poured God's goodness into us. Did you get that? Just get a pitcher of water and you're pouring it in On that cross, the Father poured the sin of the world into our Savior. So that he could pour into us his very own righteousness and goodness. Isn't that good? You can't do that for yourself. That's called positional holiness. You've been sanctified, set apart. Look at Colossians 2, 9 and 10. What an exchange. We give him, he gives him our sin, and then he gives us his righteousness. For in him, the whole fullness of deity, the Godhead, continues to dwell in bodily form, giving complete expression of the divine nature. And you are in him, made full, and having come to fullness of life in Christ, you too are filled with the Godhead, Father, Son, and Holy Spirit, and reach full spiritual stature. And he is the head of all rule and authority of of every angelic principality and power. Come to fullness of life in Christ. You too are filled with the Godhead. Look at that. Did you get that? Filled with. What did he fill us with? The fullness of the Godhead. That can only mean spiritually. That's not something we can do for ourselves. See, we've not majored in redemption. And what it really affords us and provides for us. You're holy. Period. That's his part, not our part. Look at another verse. Colossians 1, 21, 22. This is from the NIV. Once you were alienated from God and were enemies in your minds because of your evil behavior, but now he has reconciled you to, by Christ's physical body through death to present you holy in his sight without blemish and free from accusation. Free. Blameless, unreproachable, unrebukable, holy, without spot, without blemish, without fault. Can you say amen to that? See, we can't do that for ourselves. But he poured that into us when we accepted Christ as our Savior. And so we're sanctified on the inside, and this is how God sees us. Free from accusation, free from guilt, free from fault, irreproachable. I mean, think about it. Now look at Hebrews chapter 10. And notice what it says in verse 10 to 14. And in accordance with this will of God, we have been made holy, consecrated, and sanctified through the offering made once for all of the body of Jesus Christ, the Anointed One. Furthermore, every human priest stands at his altar of service, ministering daily, offering the same sacrifices over and over again, which, which never are able to strip from every side of us the sins that envelop us and take them away. Whereas this one Christ, after he had offered a single sacrifice for our sins that shall avail for all time, sat down at the right hand of God, then to wait until his enemies should be made a a stool beneath his feet. For by a single offering, he has forever completely cleansed and perfected those who are consecrated and made holy. Wow. Think about that. That is you on the inside. That's Christ in us, the hope of glory, sanctified, set apart, made holy by the blood of Jesus Christ, cleansed and washed because of our union with him. Not because of our works, but because of our union with him, we are made completely holy in the sight of God. Now, if we just stop right there, that would be great. But there's another verse Second Corinthians chapter 7 verse 1 we're going to look at three different translations because you see what's positional has got to be made practical in our lives therefore since these great promises are ours beloved let us cleanse ourselves in other words Jesus gave us a bath in his blood now We have to give our own ourselves our own bath. Cleanse ourselves from everything that contaminates and defiles body and spirit and bring our consecration to completeness in the reverential fear of God. Notice this. Motivated by the reverential fear of God, we are to bathe ourselves, cleanse ourselves from anything and everything that defiles. Look at the uh, Holman Christian translation. Therefore, dear friends, since we have such promises, let us cleanse ourselves from every impurity of the flesh and spirit, making our sanctification complete in the fear of God. And then look at the last one. This is from the message translation. With promises like this to pull us on, dear friends, let's make a clean break with everything that defiles or distracts us, both within and without. Let's make our entire lives fit and holy temples For the worship of God. See, God does one part. That's his part is to cleanse us by the blood. Our part is to cleanse ourselves from all filthiness of the flesh and spirit. So we could perfect or mature holiness in the fear of God. Motivated by this fear of God. So how are we going to do that? Look at Psalm 119. Because he gives us an answer. Wherewithal shall a young man cleanse his way, by taking heed thereto according to thy word. With my whole heart have I sought thee, O Lord. O let me not wander from thy commandments. Thy word have I hid in my heart, that I might not sit against thee. Blessed art thou, O Lord, teach me thy statutes. With my lips have I declared all the judgments of thy mouth." I have rejoiced in the way of the testimonies, of thy testimonies, as much as in all riches. I will meditate in thy precepts and have respect unto thy ways. I will delight myself in thy statutes. I will not forget your word. So how is a man going to cleanse his way? By taking heed according to the word of God. So, in other words, on the inside the blood of Jesus cleanses us. As far as our external walk is concerned, we're cleansed by the washing of water by the word. Jesus agreed with that. Look in the John's gospel, chapter 15, verse 1, 2, 3. I am the true vine, and my father is the husbandman. Every branch of me that bears not fruit, he takes away. Every branch that bears fruit, he purges it, that it may bring forth more fruit. Now you are clean through the word which I have spoken to you. So how is a person clean? How does he cleanse his way? By finding out what the word says and saying, "Mm, I got to line up with that. uh, Paul said the same thing. Look in the book of Ephesians. Paul, the apostle, husbands, love your wives, even as Christ also loved the church and gave himself for it, that he might sanctify and cleanse it with the washing of water by the word, that he might present it to himself a glorious church, not having spot or wrinkle or any such thing, but that it should be holy and without blemish. So we see the place of the word. If a person doesn't get his mind renewed to the word of God, then what's on the inside is not going to manifest on the outside. So we need to see what he gave us on the inside and allow it to rise up and manifest on the outside. In other words, it should change us. Look at 2 Corinthians 3.18. It should change us from glory to glory. But we all with unveiled face beholding as in the mirror the glory of the Lord are being transformed into the same image from glory to glory just as from the Lord the Spirit. So we look into the word of God and it says thou shalt not kill. Well then we don't kill because we want to be transformed. It says you know don't bear false witness. We don't bear false witness because we want to be transformed. And so we uh, look at whatever it is that he tells us to do. Matter of fact we have a few verses here. Look at Philippians 2. And look at verses 13, 12 and 13. And this is two different translations also. King James and New Living. Wherefore, my beloved, as you've always obeyed, not as in my presence only, but now much more in my absence. Work out your own salvation with, what's the motivation? Fear and trembling. For it's God which works where? In you, both the will and the do of his good pleasure. Something's taking place on the inside. But look at the other, other translation here. the uh, New Living, I believe it is. Dear friends, you always followed my instructions when I was with you, and now that I'm away, it is even more important, work hard to show the results of your salvation, obeying God with deep reverence and fear, for God is working in you, giving you the desire and the power to do what pleases Him. So notice, it's working out our salvation. It's on the inside, we're working it to the outside, so it can manifest to be seen among men. Now, that is God's work in us so that we can act upon his word so it could manifest outwardly through us. So if we don't know what the word says, well, then how can we possibly be cleansed outwardly? Look at Proverbs. We talked about this a little bit on Sunday, 16 through 19. I would think this would be on the top list of our priority. And what I was trying to bring out was that it's, even though we understand physical things like drinking, smoking, and all these different things and all that we talked about. Yes, we understand that. We see that from a physical standpoint. But what about these that are spiritual in nature, not physical in nature? These six things the Lord hates. Seven are abomination to him. A proud look, a lying tongue, hands that shed innocent blood, a heart that devises wicked imaginations. Feet that be swift in running to mischief, a false witness that speaks lies, and he that sows discord among brethren. So, what I was trying to bring out was this, that you see someone, maybe they drink, they smoke, they do whatever, and all of a sudden, everybody's up in arms. I'm not in favor of anything, don't get me wrong. But people are more concerned about that than being prideful, arrogant, condescending, and thinking that that's nothing even to be considered holding grudges, unforgiveness, animosity, and all that. In other words, yes, there's physical sins, but there's also sins of the spirit, spiritual sins. And God's going to hold us more accountable for those inward ones, which is why he said, cleanse yourself from all filthiness of the flesh and spirit, perfecting holiness in the fear of God. So if we lie and bear false witness, et cetera, et cetera he sees that as even worse. It's an abomination. But for, for whatever reason, we're natural. So we look at things in the natural and think that they're, you know, they're the ones that we really need to get people to clean up. Look at First Corinthians 6, 12 through 20. New Living. You say I'm allowed to do anything, but not everything is good for you. And even though I'm allowed to do anything, I must not become a slave to anything. You say food was made for the belly or for the stomach and stomach for food. This is true, though. Someday God will do away with both of them. Oh, my goodness. But you can't say that that our bodies were made for sexual immorality. They were made for the Lord. And the Lord cares about our bodies. And God will raise us from the dead by his power just as he raised our Lord from the dead. Don't you realize that your bodies are actually parts of Christ? Should a man take his body, which is part of Christ, and join it to a prostitute? Never. And don't you realize that if a man joins himself to a prostitute, he becomes one body with her? For the scriptures say... The two are united into one. But the person who is joined to the Lord is one spirit with him. So run from sexual sin. No other sin so clearly affects the body as this one does. For sexual immorality is a sin against your own body. Don't you realize that your body is the temple of the Holy Spirit who lives in you and was given to you by God? You do not belong to yourself for God bought you with a high price. So you must honor God with your body. So now we can see both aspects of it. There's the external, the outward, and there's also the internal, the lying, the cheating, the stealing, all that stuff that comes from the heart. As Jesus said, hatred comes from the heart. So, once again, it's an abomination. And also, we should also avoid these things. Look at 2 Timothy 2, 19-26. But God's truth stands firm like a foundation stone with this inscription. The Lord knows those who are His, and all who belong to the Lord must turn away from evil. In a wealthy home, some utensils are made of gold and silver and some are made of wood and clay. The expensive utensils are used for special occasions and the cheap ones are for everyday use. If you keep yourself pure, you will be a special utensil for honorable use. Your life will be clean and you'll be ready for the master to use you for every good work. Run from anything that stimulates youthful lust. Instead, pursue righteousness, living Uh, faithfulness and love and peace. Enjoy the companionship of those who call on the Lord with with pure hearts. Again, I say, don't get involved in foolish, ignorant arguments that only start fights. A servant of the Lord must not quarrel, but must be kind to everyone. Be able to teach, be patient with difficult people. Gently instruct those who oppose the truth. Perhaps God will change those people's hearts and they will learn the truth. Then they will come to their senses and escape from the devil's trap for they have been held captive by him to do whatever he wants. So he's given us these instructions to let us know that the, the goal is to get the, what, what is on the inside to the outside to manifest in our behavior, our conduct, our character, our walk. And like I said, when I came here 43 years ago, well, they're not even here. Let me just say it this way. Old time holiness Pentecostalism, you know what they emphasized? You couldn't put your family's pictures on the wall of your house. Because that was sacrilegious and having a false image. Now, their hearts were sincere. But you see, I think they misunderstood what God was talking about. Wasn't talking about that. You don't bow down and worship the image that's on that picture. You know, and then anything else could be used inappropriately. Um, And there were many things that were considered. You can't do any of these external things, whether it's go to a show, whether watch TV, whether it's. All these different things. But you can sit around and talk about anybody you want to talk about. Gossip, you know, right? And that's not even considered wrongdoing. That's the whole point. That we need to realize that there are internal and external things to deal with. God wants us to have pure hearts. Motivated by Godly reverential fear. We want to live our lives in such a way so as to invite the living God who's in this temple... To manifest himself through our lives. You know what that takes individually? Humbling myself, getting on my face before God. And then saying, you know what? I want more of you and less of self. It's not worth it. What am I going to get out of talking about something? Let's close with this Galatians 5. Hey, I believe in miracles. We did this. <laughs> Look at verse 16. There's warfare that's taking place. This I say then. Walk in the Spirit, and you shall not fulfill the lusts of the flesh. For the flesh lusts against the Spirit, and the Spirit against the flesh. And these are contrary the one to the other, so that you cannot do the things that you would. But if you be led of the Spirit, you're not under the law. Now the works of the flesh are manifest, which are these? Adultery, fornication, uncleanness, lasciviousness, idolatry, witchcraft, hatred, variance, emulations, wrath, strife, seditions, heresies, envy, murders, drunkenness, revelings, and such like... Of the which I tell you before, as I've told you in the time past, that they which do such things shall not inherit the kingdom of God. But the fruit of the Spirit is love, joy, peace, long suffering, gentleness, goodness, faith, meekness, temperance. Against such there is no law. And they that are Christ have crucified the flesh with the affections and lusts. If we live in the Spirit, let us also walk in the Spirit. Let us not be desirous of vain glory, provoking one another, envying one another. So notice what he's trying to show us. That yes, we're in Christ and by the grace of God we're saved. And that's why I really came strong against this grace that was out of proportion. Thank God that we're saved by grace through faith. Thank God that, you know, the grace of God is is wonderful. But we can't take advantage of the grace of God and do like so many have done. Step beyond that. Just saying I can live the way I want to live. Do what I want to do. Doesn't matter because all my sins are forgiven in Christ. And that's all there is to it. So there's. Well then why all these instructions. And why all these warnings. And why all these teachings that are laid down. Why say crucify the flesh. Anybody here like crucifixion. Who likes to crucify their flesh. Anybody. You deny your flesh one nil, It wants to get mad at you. It gets angry at you, right? Crucify the flesh. Doesn't sound like a fun time. But if we want more of God, less of self, if we want more of God, it means less of self. So I want to, once again, get before God and just let him know that, you know what? I want what's on the inside to come on the outside. And if that means I have to humble myself, then I have to humble myself. And that's what I want to do. I want more of you. What do you want? More of him? Amen. Let's all stand.